0: just entered a safe, relaxed, and open forum where you can allow your imagination to take you places you normally dare not go. Welcome to The Fourth Dimension with Toby C. Where we discuss evil resistance in the early efforts of sobriety. Here's Toby.
1: Hey, it's your buddy Toby, I'm back. Toby. Toby, Toby is back with a vengeance. Welcome to the fourth dimension. We talk about things that are uncomfortable in the fourth dimension with Toby C. Welcome, and I want to welcome my guest this morning. Get right to it, Paul E. Hey, Paul.
2: Hey, happy to be here. Uh,
1: glad you're here. You know, if it's your first time joining us, um, you're going to join Paul and me sharing something called ghost stories during this show. Yeah, ghost stories. Who doesn't like a good ghost story, right Paul? Yeah, I love, I love a ghost story. <laughs> Absolutely. However, these ghost stories that we're gonna talk about are things that happen in early recovery, things that happen when people try to overcome evil, over, to overcome something bad, a bad feeling. When we try to overcome feeling bad, when we try to overcome our life being unmanageable, when we try to overcome not being able to get along with people and with ourselves. It's called recovery. And by the way, during the next couple of hours, you're going to hear us talk about some alternative thinking here, okay? You know, if you or your loved one or somebody you see struggling that maybe you don't love, if they're having trouble in early recovery, um, maybe there's another element at play here. Maybe it's time to stop blaming him or her or it or yourselves or God. Stop blaming God. The way we blame God is we say, God damn it. Okay. That's how we blame God. How about if we stop blaming God and we start looking at another player, the player might be the devil. You know, we talk about, about God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves all day long in recovery but Paul, how often do we talk about the
2: devil? Not enough, it seems to be an uncomfortable topic.
1: Absolutely, very uncomfortable, and that's why we're gonna, we're gonna bore down on it heavily. And um, just to kind of give you a warm-up though, I wanna be clear that this show is not about putting the devil on a pedestal and, and focusing our show around the devil. Obviously, the devil is not at the center of faith, but his figure is indispensable to understanding the mysteries of faith. How about that, Paul?
2: Absolutely. That makes
1: sense? How about, if, how about this? If the figure of the devil is missing, then one also loses sight of the figure of God itself, or himself. Does that make sense? Yes. There it is. You know, um, the biggest trick that the devil plays on the world is to convince the entire world that he doesn't exist. There it is, and he does exist. You better believe it, but of course, if we don't think the devil exists, or Satan doesn't exist, or evil doesn't exist, then it makes the, the meaning and the purpose of God very abstract and remote, doesn't it? Absolutely. There it is, so that's, that's our deal. I, I want you just to go ahead and for the next couple of hours sit back and open your mind and, um, and unlock the, the door to your imagination and imagine that uh, maybe there was something else going on here and um and it wasn't good and it didn't want us to get better how about that so paul what we're going to do like we do every show let's go back to the your earliest memories of trying to get better um maybe you know and again we're this is not drunkalog radio here okay so we're not interested in the whole the whole gory uh Um, uh, swirling around the drain before you hit the bottom, okay? Want to know what it was like right at the very bottom. And as you were bouncing along the bottom, Paul, tell us some of the experiences and some of the things that really kept you from getting better. Let's talk about that for a minute. Or do you want to go ahead and just start with the the mother of all traumas that kind of got you into recovery to begin with? Go ahead and lay it out for us, Paul.
2: Well, let's see. Um... How did I get to where I saw no way out? Um, I had uh, trauma uh, in my family. I um, had a daughter. Uh, she was uh, two years old. Uh, lost her to a rare blood disease, uh, and she died in my arms. And um, I had never experienced uh, trauma uh, of that magnitude like that ever before.
1: So hold that thought. When your daughter died in your arms of this rare blood disease, did you ask yourself, or did you ask God, or did you ask the universe why? Do you remember that, Paul?
2: Yeah. um, And you couldn't accept it, could you? It felt surreal. Uh, Everything went dark and gray. Food didn't taste. Colors weren't vibrant. And um, looking back on it now, that was uh, the beginning of a downward spiral into uh, depression, which I had never been uh, accustomed to uh, and uh, eventually didn't see a way out. Yeah.
1: Before this tragic, traumatic event, had you struggled with uh, drug and alcohol abuse uh, before that, or, or, or was this the
2: event that took you out? This was the event that took me out. Uh, I never had a drink in my life until after losing my daughter. There you uh, go. Three quarters of my life, mm-hmm. not one drink. Never thought about it, never needed it, never wanted it. Mm-hmm.
1: So would you say that, uh, among other things, confusion was a uh, a major uh, variable in, in what you were experiencing?
2: Definitely. Um, I guess I had a standard uh, that I didn't want to cross. Um, I knew and uh, growing up, I had an alcoholic grandfather and uh, my dad instilled into me that alcohol can do nothing good. Nothing about alcohol is positive. And uh, so I, I kept that standard uh, throughout my all, uh, most of my adult life. Uh, until, uh, losing my daughter.
1: Yeah. All right. So, so there it is. You know, some of us kind of gradually move into alcohol and drug abuse. Some of us are traumatized into drug and alcohol abuse. Um, but what got you to the bottom was, and let's, let's, let's talk about it for a minute. Were you angry, Paul? Were you angry? Think about it. Were you angry? Did Did you feel like you know you just this was not a fair shake that you didn't deserve this? Where did this come from? What do you think do at you, the very beginning? What was the emotion, you know that 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 said that just said forget about it. I'm just done.
2: I knew because uh, growing up, um, anger wouldn't be a positive solution. Uh, I I did feel cheated, um, but I also felt blessed for having that time with her. Uh, But more so, I just went dead and numb um, and didn't care, uh, didn't care about anything, Mm -hmm. had just threw my hands up and the spark of life for me uh it just died and i had no hope or no happiness uh, at the time uh about my future um like that spark of happiness died with my daughter and your, do- I, this, I just this
1: your daughter was your future she was oh. and or in, in, in so to speak yep. uh or she was your world at that time. How interesting, though. And again, you were in limbo. You know, on one hand, you say that uh, you felt cheated, but you said you felt blessed. That's limbo, man, you yeah. know. Um, uh, I don't know about you, when I feel cheated, man, I, I I, get angry. I feel, you know, when I'm disappointed. Were you disappointed?
2: Yes, of course. definitely, absolutely. I don't
1: know about you, but I'll tell you, uh, um, Disappointment, and what follows disappointment, is instinctual human behavior. And if you disappoint the human psyche long enough, you move into a place called anger. And, um, you know, you mentioned that you suffered from depression. I've heard depression, uh, among other things, termed as anger turned inward. You know? Do you think maybe, possibly, Paul, there was a little anger turned inward? Like, what could I have done different? Or or was or there something wrong with me or the world that I live in? Or What's going on here? What was going on, Paul?
2: It's always looking back. uh, The questions, is there something I could have done different um, that would have affected the outcome, that my daughter would still be here today? And, uh, of course, there's no definitive answer on that.
1: It was an act of God, was it not? Absolutely. And did you have trouble accepting that act of God? I did. Oh, you better believe it. You fought it, didn't you?
2: Why would I be blessed with a daughter only to have her taken away so ah, I love it, so the, shortly. the
1: evil three-letter word, why? why? Why would I be blessed with a daughter only to have her snatched away from me at such a tender young age? So let me ask you this, Paul, $50,000 question. <laughs> is this bewilderment and this confusion and is the, the battle cry of why? You know, is that God or is that the antithesis of God?
2: Definitely the antithesis of God. It opened the door.
1: A loving God does not want you to be confused. Correct. Correct. But something did. Something confused you and kept you in limbo and and um, and angry and disappointed.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, so what do you think? Do you think, you think maybe, um, you know? Listen, we can't pin all of our woes on the devil. The decision is ours first and foremost to make. (laughs) Satan just simply amplifies our bad decisions. And your decision, Paul, was your decision to practice acceptance of the situation or rejection? What do you think?
2: Absolutely. What what was it? I I didn't want to accept that situation. You rejected it. I, I did. All right.
1: And if acceptance of God's will is what God wants us to do, then where did this sense of rejection come from Paul? Anger <laughs> yeah and um hey listen, this is not a religious program, but I'll tell you i've I've read uh, something called the Seven Deadly sins uh, you know the uh, the uh, the ex- the ex- the extreme natures of our of our human Uh, instinctual drives. And uh, I know pride's right at the head of the procession, but is not anger in there too?
2: Yes, that's definitely one of them. There,
1: in anger, man. How interesting. Disappointment's not uh, sinful, Um, but anger is. And is it possible maybe that anger opened you up to evil interference in your earliest efforts to get better?
2: Absolutely. My intellectual brain uh, knew that anger is not a helpful response. There
1: you go. All right, when we come back, we're going to get to a few other little nuggets of uh, of ghost stories with Paul E. I'm Toby name and the show's called The Fourth Dimension, we're talking about evil resistance during early recovery. We'll be right back with Paul E.
0: To take us places we might be afraid to go, you are entering the fourth dimension with Toby C. There is no such thing as coincidences. Here's Toby. Okay, we're back with Paul E. Not Paulie, but Paul E.
1: You know, here's the deal. Ha <laughs> ha. Hey, again, welcome back to the Fourth Dimension. And again, this show is not about Adam and Eve. It's not about the Garden of Eden. It's not about the forbidden fruit. It's about the snake. We're here to talk about the snake, right? See, we all... Just like Eve made that choice to pick the apple off the tree of wisdom, was that it, Paul? I think it was. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And um, we make that choice. We make the choice either of self-will or of selflessness. And um, it's called the bondage of self, by the way. And, um, and now we get to examine, you know, just how we opened ourselves up to uh, evil intercession in our our recovery, our human instinctual efforts to feel better and get better and look better and be better, right, Paul? Yes, we were yes. there, but we just couldn't quite get there, could we? yeah, so Paul, tell us what it was like now you've lost your daughter um you're 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 angry, you're disappointed, you're depressed um there just doesn't seem to be any solution to this, uh, this, this hopeless confusion, right? Um, describe it for us. What was going on there? And, and maybe um, describe some of the people that came into your life um, in, the, in, the, in the beginning that maybe could have been a good messenger or maybe a bad messenger. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I guess looking back on it, in retrospect, uh, in self-introspection, always had a strong faith. Grew up in, um, my dad was a Baptist minister, uh, so um, my faith at home was something I grew up on and built up and uh, had uh, a strong faith with God. Um, But after the death of my daughter, um, I just kind of gave up and walked away from that faith. Not I made a conscious decision, but it was more subtle. And uh, by not having that spirit, spiritual connection with God um, and getting further away from that, uh, I firmly believe that it opened me up for something, somebody, something else to fill that void. And uh, it was exacerbated by my decision to self-medicate, to deal with my depression, the only legal way I knew how. And um, by furthering or getting further away from my spiritual connection with God, it left me open for other influences. Um, on a, I guess, if you will, in opening myself up to an evil, uh, spiritual, how should I say it? Um, to get a stronghold, uh, in my thought process and my decisions. And, uh, I started, uh hanging out with uh, people that were going to support my drinking. And um, I could call somebody at any day, morning, noon, or night, and would have a drinking buddy to help me self-medicate.
1: Misery loves company, doesn't it?
2: Absolutely. I'd never do it alone. I didn't need to. Uh, And looking back on the choices and the people I hung out with and friends it went complete 180 and it obviously led me down a direction where I look back on I didn't want to be but uh slid downward fast yeah
1: so you wanted to keep company with lower forms of companionship because misery loves company but at the end of the day, Paul, before we, we leave for break here, did you really have company and companionship and conviviality, or or were you still alone?
2: Oh, you, absolutely alone. I
1: mean, did these people really understand what you were going through? No. It was empty. Everybody was just trying to kill their own pain, weren't they? And that's, and that's how it is, man. You know, was God there?
2: No, no.
1: Was something evil there, maybe? Possibly just kind of hanging out? in this, this kinship of, of chaos and calamity and, and misery?
2: Absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. It's not if, definitely.
1: All right, when we come back, we're gonna be mashing out some ghost stories with Paul E. I'm Toby C. The name of this show's called The Fourth Dimension. And, uh, you know, we just we're mashing it out here with Paul. Stick around. Keep an open mind that if you're suffering, it might be that uh, that you opened yourself up for evil resistance. So stick around. Be right back at Paul E, Toby C, and he shows of the full dimension.
0: making sense out of nonsense, making you as curious and uncomfortable as possible with the truth. You've landed in the fourth dimension with Toby C. Okay, Paul. Um,
1: It's uncomfortable talking about, uh, talking about the devil, period. and uh, and But that's what we're going to do because, again, only by really exploring the, the, the existence and the presence and the interference of evil can we really appreciate the relevance and the importance and the nearness of a, of a God of our understanding. Uh, I read somewhere in some publication in one of these recovery manuals that uh, by refusing to place him first, him being a God of our understanding, we deprived ourselves of his help. There it is. And, uh, you know, when we're in self pity, when we're turning that anger inward, when we're in the bondage of self, Paul, are we placing him first? Nah, no. we're, we're, it's, we're on, it's on, we're first. Right. And by the way, you know, we're all survivalists, right? That's how we're born. I think we come out of the womb, you know, uh card carrying, pure self-centered survivalists. Um, So that default is there, I guess, you know, when we're traumatized, you didn't have a long drinking and drugging career to the point where, where, where this took you out. You were traumatized into a state of hopelessness where you were looking for something to put out that fire, weren't you? Absolutely. And that fire was not God, was it? The fire was something evil, man. Yes. And, uh. So anyway, describe it. Describe what happened. You've lost your daughter now. You're 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 looking for a kinship of of, of common misery, and uh, you found it, man. And uh, when did you decide I want to stop this? I want to stop this this misery. You I want to get better. Describe that moment where you had a a moan of 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 angst, and and uh, the moment you actually, like so many of us, Paul, you cried out, "God help me." Do you remember that moment? Describe it.
2: Yes. I mean, in the beginning of when I first started to drink to self-medicate, um, it was a a relief uh, just to turn everything off. Um, I didn't have the tools uh, because I had never that I remember being depressed in my life. And... Chemically, internally, mentally, uh, it was it was scary. It was dark. Uh, that's how I describe it. Um, and I, it was horrible, and I didn't like it. Um, but uh, the downward spiral uh, was fast. Um, it started affecting my relationships, uh, my job. Uh, eventually, got let go. Uh, had issues with the law, uh, all alcohol-related, uh, all, all due to drinking. And that further piled on complications and added to the weight of the depression. And uh, not only the emotional uh, weight, but uh, the physical wear and tear on my body Um, always stayed in shape, always prided myself on feeling good and staying fit. And so emotionally, I was torn down. Physically, I was torn down. And uh, I wanted out but didn't see a clear, easy-cut path. I I tried on my own uh, to stop uh, drinking, and uh, it was just met with unsuccess after – Unsuccessful attempts, and um, when I talk to other people that were recovered alcoholics um, or part of AA or uh, you know got out on their own without any you know program, I always ask them, "Well, what was your rock bottom? Yeah, what was your rock bottom? What was your rock bottom?" Because I was trying to gauge how much longer in this misery, and what was going to take me. To flip the switch and get motivated, and find the help I need or what I needed to do to get out of this miserable existence, this depressive state, this fueled by alcohol, and um, well, I eventually got my answer. Um, I prayed, I prayed about it uh, to God, and uh, you know, He can say yes, no, or maybe, or uh, uh, you'll find out soon. And I, I found out soon enough. Um, I uh, was out drinking uh, at home and um, had a seizure, fell, cracked my head on the concrete, dislocated my shoulder, uh, and was seizing. Um, fortunately, my roommate uh, was check uh, happened to check on me uh, and uh, got rushed me to the hospital and uh, saved my life. And that was, that was my wake-up call. That was where I needed to take strong action.
1: All right. When you had this traumatic experience with the loss of your daughter, um, what was your career at that time? What were you doing as a professional?
2: I was a law enforcement officer at the time for 17 years.
1: Yeah, and, um, and you started getting in trouble with the law. There it is um, law enforcement has their own recovery programs too for for the men and women in law enforcement who have substance and, and alcohol abuse uh, issues. Or did you ever uh, take that uh, that route at all and explore some of the recovery programs and that they had to offer or describe that a little bit?
2: Um, there were a few groups uh, in various locations from LA to uh, the Coachella Valley. Um, uh, but they were few and far between. Um, the issue with law enforcement, uh, since we enforce the societal rules, as far as opening up and being able to share, um, it's we're we're pretty closed mouth and resistant to opening up.
1: Love it. The reason why I love it is 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 mm, here's another ghost story, Paul. Okay. Um we don't open up in this industry, okay? Um we're as sick as our secrets, aren't we, Paul? Yes. You know, and, and uh and you had a you had a hurt and you couldn't deal with this hurt because there's another one of the seven deadly sins at play here. And what is it? It's pride. There it is, man. Pride. And how many of us suffering men and women, how many of us suffering souls don't really get the help we need because we're, we're in some element of shame. And it might be at the professional level that this is things you just don't do normally in this, in this industry or this profession or maybe the shame can come from the dysfunctional family system quite often or sometimes the shame comes from children or a spouse or, or friends or peers, you know what I'm talking about? But, but there it is, man. You know, possibly, possibly one of your 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 opportunities to get better right in the very beginning eluded you because of this uh, this uh, pride shame factor that was going on in the industry. What do you think? Maybe one
2: hundred percent accurate. You know,
1: and again, by the way, a lot of the men and women in law enforcement and, and in other professions who succumb to drug and alcohol abuse, you know, they have a they have a lifetime of practice leading up to that. But you didn't. You didn't. How interesting, and you had a an ecumenical background. your father was a your grandfather was a Baptist minister. my father, your father and uh, and you grew up with uh, the the good book and 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 a head full of of uh, God consciousness. and uh, I don't know, I don't want to get philosophical here, Paul, but I have a feeling that the devil does not go after those within his dominion that the devil seeks those who are outside of his dominion. And you were a very uh, attractive target because there you were. You were not in his dominion. And uh, something, something happened in the realm of God's will, and you rejected it. And the moment you rejected it, Paul, is it possible the devil moved in, man, and and took you on a wild ride?
2: Hundred percent accurate. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and then those wild rides can can be you know, varied—some intense, some not so intense. This experience of the seizure—were you in sober living by that point, or were you in a, uh, uh, or was this just a roommate that you were living with? You had moved out from your wife and and the family, and you had a roommate. Was your roommate in the program? Was he? No,
2: no. He he was a normie. He was a normie, but grew up in an alcoholic home.
1: Okay, so he kind of knew what was going on. Thank goodness he kind of understood a little bit about what you were going through.
2: Saved my life, absolutely. I was very fortunate.
1: That hey, that's a god shot. <laughs> yes, who it was. who was there at the right time in the right place? Suppose this person wasn't there, would you be sitting in front of me today? I doubt it. You would you would have been taken out. Yeah. Is it possible, Paul, that it just wasn't your time to go? Think. Is it possible that a God of your understanding had, a, had another plan for you yet? I, I agree wholeheartedly for that of myself and those who I witness. So many of us have near-death experiences, don't we? Yes. But we're still here.
2: There, there's but, a bigger plan at a, at in action here. But there's
1: something that wants to torture us while we're, while we're taking this journey here on earth, right? There's something that wants to make uh, uh, the trip not so pleasant, isn't there? Yes. You know, what else do you think uh, could have been at play here? Before we break, you know, I want you to think about maybe some of the men or women or some of the experiences you had. Um, Did you first come to AA to get better? Did you go to a hospital or a rehab center? What was your first uh, uh, step forward into a solution? What was it?
2: I tried. uh, I shouldn't say I tried. I went to AA uh, because some of the legal aspects. um, Ah, so uh, you didn't
1: really go to to recovery or Alcoholics Anonymous on your own volition. You you were, I don't want to say guilted or shamed into it, but maybe there was a fear element. How interesting, you know. And fear is not sinful, but something else was going on. You wanted to hang on to something that you were in fear of losing, and that's why you went. Yes. And yeah. um, don't mean to hit all the seven deadlies, but that fear of losing something <laughs> is called greed. <laughs> you want to hang on to it, man. Yeah. White knuckle it, right? Yeah. So, so there it was, man. Oh my goodness. You know, when we come back with Pauly, I really want to spend this last segment of this hour talking about your 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 experiences in and out of AA, on your own volition or with a cannon held to your head. What was going on? What were you thinking? You know, it's just it's so important. Where do you think you uh, did you have an open mind about recovery?
2: No, absolutely no. not.
1: Um, were you confused and? totally yes. bewildered about what the hell's going on here. Yep. The what the hell's going on here is the devil. Anyway, all right, we're going to be back with Paulie wrapping up Hour One with The Fourth Dimension with Toby C. And I'll tell you, everybody has their little evil experiences. And the sooner we accept that, sit all the way down come to terms with it, the sooner we can experience a God of our understanding, right Paul?
2: Absolutely.
1: All right, be right back. Stand by.
0: Testimonies about the evil influences interfering in our most desperate and hopeful moments in life. Here's Toby. Okay. Mashing out with Paul E.
3: Mashing out with Paul E. Mashing
1: what? I'll tell you what we're going to mash out as the music just dropped off the cliff there. Um, I want some ghost stories, Paul. You know, I think our listeners and everybody wants to hear a, a couple of ghost stories. Let's talk about what happened now. You're no longer in law enforcement. You're at the bottom. You've lost your daughter. You've rejected God's will. You're angry. You're depressed. You're bewildered, you know. And now all of a sudden, um, <laughs> did God show up or did or did Satan? Uh, continue to show up at your doorstep and mess with you. What do you think, Paul?
2: Well, I was so far removed from my relationship with God that, yes. uh,
1: Love it. You were disconnected from God. Completely.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So, um, but I knew since I hit my rock bottom or what I felt was my rock bottom, I almost died and I didn't want to die. I wanted to live. So, um, I went to a recovery center. Um, and the, it was an education about, uh, alcoholism as a disease. Um, and a lot of amazing speakers, a lot of counselors and therapists and I still felt like an outlier because of my past profession. Also, I have a degree in psychology, pride, thinking. I know exactly where they're trying to lead me. I know these, looking back on it in many respects, these silly psychological games. What here, what material here? Is that they're trying to educate me on that I don't already know is really going to help me. Yep, and there it is,
1: intellect, and 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 I'm telling you, uh, in this book called Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, in the very beginning, it keeps talking about people thinking that self knowledge, knowledge of their disease, is going to save them, and it doesn't, and it doesn't. And I also read someplace that intellect and humility are compatible. Provided we place humility first. Hmm. So let me ask you, Paul. You said you were completely disconnected from a God of your understanding. Having had an ecumenical and religious uh, uh, Christian upbringing and background, man, you are completely void and disconnected. So where was God?
2: He was nowhere near me, unfortunately.
1: There you go, man. So... So there it is, you know, humility, by the way, gang, if you ever want to know a a trick for remembering humility, it's three words, put God first. Okay. And if you have a lifetime of practice, putting yourself first, like I do, it's not easy. And, uh, and again, you know, Paul, your situation was, was you didn't have a long wind up man to, to this fall. This thing just took you out and it was sudden, all of a sudden, you know, you went from one reality into another. And all of a sudden, you're with all these misfits and these people who who spent a lifetime perfecting their drug abuse and their their alcoholism, and you just couldn't relate, man. You know, it, right?
2: Absolutely. You know, I avoided working narcotics. I thought it was a dirty part of the job. I didn't understand addiction, um, alcoholism, uh, nar- uh, narcotics addiction, and I stayed away from that aspect of my law enforcement career because I thought it's hopelessness. These people put themselves there. There you go.
1: There you go. Perfect. You unfairly judged people. You, um, uh, it was perfect, man. You, you just couldn't relate. And you rejected, you rejected drug abuse, and alcoholism. Even in the profession of law enforcement, you decide, I don't want to do that because that's just these, I can't relate. Absolutely. And all of a sudden, in, in in this stroke of God's will, in the span of maybe a year or less, you went from that attitude to all of a sudden being right in the middle of, of the herd, weren't you? Yes. And it did not feel good, did it?
2: No. Uh, and I... Uh, Still felt like an outlier, but I knew I wasn't because I'm, I have and had the same problem as the guys and girls to my left and right, right. in the recovery center. But I still mentally didn't accept that. Yeah. I'm,
1: By the way, nobody told you, Paul, at that time that you may be suffering from a condition which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And uh, you never got that memo, did you? No. You never got the fact that only God could and would, if He were sought, get you out of this mess.
2: I re- I heard the words, but you didn't believe it. Uh, man. I didn't. Yeah. You know. I didn't ingest that. not can't, can't.
1: We can't quite go there, can we? When our, when our cup, runneth over with, with judgment and rejection, and pride and anger, and there you sat. There you sat. Before we break, man, just tell us your first quick uh, intro into sober living. Did you go to sober living and, and try that deal? Yeah, what after, was that like
2: after recovery? Um, I had all the intellectual tools uh, uh, at the recovery center. You know, it was an education. It did give me a deeper understanding of the physical aspects and the psychological aspects of addiction. And I was still resistant, though. Yeah, I still felt like an outlier. I still Put my pride first. Um,
1: But check this out. Even though you were narrow-minded and full of judgment and resistant, you still had a lot of really bizarre and looking back evil experiences during this period, didn't you? Yes, I did. Now that we're able to to open our minds and look back, the devil was there, wasn't he? Yes, he was. God was there too, but we just couldn't open the door because we were consumed with... uh, the bondage of self, right on. When we come back for hour two, Paul is really going to give us some wonderful ghost stories about his experience in early recovery, in sober living, in rehabs, in the meetings uh, rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and, and things that were just, they weren't coincidence. They were bizarre experiences meant to keep Paul down. Right, Paul? Yes, And we didn't know it at the time, did we? No, it was was subtle. It was subtle, but it's not so subtle anymore, is it? No,
2: not once you shine the light on it.
1: And we're gonna shine the light on some ghost stories when we come back with Paul, mashing it out. Stand by, I'm Toby C. The name of the show is called The Fourth Dimension with Toby C. We talk about evil resistance during early recovery and um, keep an open mind to the presence of evil here it might be sitting right next to you stand by
0: Welcome to the Fourth Dimension with Toby C. Where participants dare to disclose bizarre experiences that occur in early recovery. The battle between good and evil, of God and of the occult. The psychic challenges we all encounter when trying to do the right thing. Now, here's Toby.
1: Okay, we're back with our number two with Paul E. Hey, just to recap, if you're just joining us, hey, this is Toby C. And the name of our show is called The Fourth Dimension. And uh, this is a recovery show, but you're not going to hear us talking about God this, God that, a God of our understanding. No, we're going to be talking about the antithesis of God. Because for a variety of reasons, it makes the importance and the seeking of the one who has all power, and that one is God, and may you find him now, it makes God more relevant when we focus on on the antithesis of good. And that's what this show is all about. And what we do here in this show is we dig out something called ghost stories. And we're digging out uh, ghost stories with Paul E. here in Hour Two. Paul, welcome back.
2: All right, ready for round two. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: and again, if you're just joining us, uh, Paul is a victim of, uh, like so many of us, of the Headless Horsemen. Uh, most definitely, uh, one of them being over intellectualizing life and recovery and our existence and, uh, and, and the manageability of our lives. How about that? You know, that can be a real demon in and of itself. Uh, just to recap, you know, Paul, like so many of us, had a, a traumatic experience, a very disappointing experience, something that, that completely knocked the spirit and the will and the wind out of, out of him. And, um, and Paul had an overwhelming and compelling reason to, uh, to escape this pain and this disappointment like so many of us do. And Paul hit his bottom for sure. Paul hit his bottom and lucky you, Paul, when you hit your bottom, you were, uh, in the middle of a 15 year, uh, career
2: in law enforcement. Yeah. About 17 at the time. Yeah.
1: 17 years and you hit your bottom and, um, Oh, and we talked about this. The real bottom, the, something would happen to you at the bottom is that possibly, just possibly, you rejected God because you rejected people, because you rejected, you rejected having to do with anything having to do with people who were weak and who had uh, uh, alcoholism and drug abuse issues and things that you thought that that through self-knowledge we could certainly somehow surmount and overcome and transcend at some point. But we couldn't, could we? No. We couldn't.
2: I was ignorant of the disease and its effects and never having experienced that and not really fully, un- fully understanding that uh, came, came as such a surprise that I find myself Shoulder to shoulder with the same people I guess I looked down upon Yeah, for a period of my life.
1: So your first experience in recovery was not a real heartfelt, this is a life or death deal for me. This is, I need to try to figure out what's going on. And uh, uh, you got a nudge from the judge and uh, you were putting together some time. You had to leave your career uh, and move into another uh, area to earn a living, yeah. I, uh, and this was after the the traumatic, tragic loss of your daughter, uh, a well-publicized, uh, uh, very uh, traumatic uh, experience. Talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. How about that? You know, PTSD deluxe.
2: Yes, I. Uh, yeah, that. At that point, as I mentioned before, um, I. believe I mentioned I drifted away from God because God and my spirituality were very important throughout my life. And I've always had that security and that guidance. But I heard somebody put it this way that I was the co-pilot. God was the pilot of my life. And then I took over controls and became the pilot. God was always there with me, but I was steering at that point. And that's when I made the decision to self-medicate and, you know, go down the wrong path.
1: Your father was a Baptist minister. Yes, he was. Your beloved grandfather was an alcoholic.
2: Yes, he was. Yep, I, uh, in hindsight, uh, didn't realize it really growing up or put gave it much of a thought, uh, especially because my ignorance about alcoholism and, uh, you know, it being a disease and whatnot, um, how I possibly was pregenetically disposed to, you know, alcoholism or addiction in general, and uh, I didn't respect and keep enough distance away from it if I knew that, even with my method of coping with this new depression that I've never felt before and as deep as it was, maybe would have prevented and finding an alternative source to deal with uh, my pain. Yeah. You
1: know, there's a lot going on here. I mean, what a, a whirlwind of, of experiences <clears throat> and philosophies and approaches. The bottom line is you, you hit a bottom and you thought, man, it can't get any worse. You lost your daughter, you rejected God, you lost your career in law enforcement, um, you were doing a, a job and earning a living, which uh, was just depressing the hell out of you. Um, you, you were experiencing really the bedevilments. You really just couldn't seem to make a go out of life. You just couldn't seem to get along with people and yourself, and you were lonely and and the the whole deal. And all of us experienced that. But you thought it couldn't get any worse, and it did, didn't it, Paul?
2: It did. I, Because of the nudge from the judge, I went to AA meetings, uh, begrudgingly, of course. Uh, I basically felt forced. Um, That's never a good thing uh, or a good mentality. Um, And uh, I eventually went to a recovery center here in the desert and uh, was building up some time um, left the recovery center, had a breath of fresh air. I was on a pink cloud for a little bit and, uh, but didn't make any changes when I got back. I got back in the same living situation, uh, the same financial stress where I was barely making ends meet with the dead end job that I was working. Yeah.
1: But, but wait a second, Paul, but you had all of this knowledge. Come on. What you know, you had all this self knowledge about yourself and self knowledge about recovery and of the disease. And but what happened, Paul? Did you get drunk?
2: Yep. Yeah, yep. I was uh, had about eight months on, and uh, uh, just went back to uh, fell back into the old patterns. Nothing and, changed.
1: And and it wasn't a little slippy poo, was it, Paul?
2: No, it was. Uh, it was hell on 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 earth. It was wasn't it? miserable. Um, and I found, found myself right back in that situation with all that knowledge, with all that know-how and, uh, eventually, um, I did hit another low rock bottom, (laughs) my low rock bottom, where, as I mentioned earlier, had a seizure, cracked my head on the concrete, bit my tongue, uh, dislocated my shoulder and, uh, got, um, went back to the recovery center on my own volition, on my own choice, because that was a physical change or experience rather that affected my mentality. And you
1: thought, Paul, it couldn't get any worse than this, didn't you?
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) hey, and
1: check it out. And it did, didn't it? It got, <laughs> it got emotionally worse, if not physically worse and spiritually worse. It got emotionally worse because you ended up in a, in a sober living uh, unit uh, with a, a group of guys in a house where you just wanted to go and chill and, and, and get better and heal and, and find some peace. Did you, did you find any peace at the house there, Paul? Well,
2: everything was a, it was a surreal experience to me because, you know, I was experiencing sober living uh, for the first time. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have anything to compare it to. So I, I, I took it in stride or tried to. Um, I was, uh, you know, living with the manager in the beginning and uh, was asked to stand by as a third party witness to kicking out and confronting uh, another sober living occupant uh, that was living in the house uh, prior to me getting there that fell back on his narcotic addiction. Great.
1: So you had to play the hammer. You had to show some suffering souls some intolerance. Good for you, Paul. I'm sure that was really
2: therapeutic for you. (laughs) No. The the sad thing is I knew the individual, uh, not at first, but when... The sober living manager had to confront him. I'm like, oh, it's an individual that I went to the uh, recovery center with.
1: Did you say this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you?
2: <laughs> I just hey, said no.
1: Hey, and check this out. Uh, yeah, I want to squeeze this in before the end of this segment. Um, another another emotional uh, bedevilment was the the guy who owns this and manages this sober living place was this was he he was on fire he he used to run in the drug and alcohol arena on the wrong side of the tracks in the very area that you patrolled for 15 years in Los Angeles County
2: yes you what know, are
1: the what are the chances of that
2: yeah coincidence uh what what is coincidence uh, coincidence or Miracles or God's actions—it's um, a
1: message, yeah. but it's a test. Was it a godly test, <clears throat> or was this a demonic stumbling block? That's what we want to know. See, often, often what we feel are demonic stumbling blocks are, in fact, tests. They are just that, and they're tests to determine: are we are we in in narrow-minded ignorance? Or are we in, in faith-based open-mindedness and an acceptance? There it is. And it's, and it's as simple as opening and closing the door to our house to a God of our understanding. And quite often, it's closed. And there's the test, you know. Is your door open or is your door closed? Today, Paul, is your door open or closed?
2: Open, <laughs> oh, wide, beautiful, open.
1: <laughs> but it wasn't always that way, it no. wasn't. And there were a few bumps in the road, especially in early recovery, weren't there? Absolutely, yeah. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some some of these other demonic stumbling blocks or these these godly tests, if you want to to consider that. And and they were not very peaceful experiences, Paul. They were discouraging, weren't they? Very much so. And uh, and again. Maybe this time now we can start opening up our minds to to the fact that maybe it wasn't him or her or it or God's fault. Maybe there was another player involved in this activity. We're gonna be right back with Paul E. I'm Toby C. wrapping up. We're just winding down the first segment of hour two in the fourth dimension with Toby C. We're gonna be right back with more ghost stories with Paul E.
0: The Fourth Dimension, where we talk about the strange things that happen in recovery. Here's Toby C. Yeah,
1: here's Toby C. Here's
0: Toby C coming
1: in too hot. Maybe Toby C back Hey, welcome back with Paul E. And I'm Toby C. The name of the show is called The Fourth Dimension. We're talking about ghost stories, uh, things that happen to people in early recovery. Like Paul and me, and countless others that we know and and it's called evil resistance um, that befalls so many of us when we really when we really try to crawl into that lifeboat of recovery and something something wants to pull us back into the drink. Oh yeah, what we're going to be talking about is um we're going to be talking about paul's what do you think was was your was your demon um going into recovery um whether it was when you got the nudge from the judge or it was after your seizure and and you had that near death experience there was there was still you know out of the seven deadly sins what do you think were the were the were the uh the deadlies that opened you up to to evil interference, what do you think?
2: No, pride that? and anger, pride and anger,
1: yeah, yeah, anger for sure. Because because you were disappointed, you were robbed of your beloved daughter, and, and uh, God, God really let you down, and uh, and pride. Somebody from your background, man, uh, you know, you uh, you're you're a, you're a pedigree in so many areas: a a, a psychology degree, a military background. Uh, uh, we won't go into to that because familiar, familiarity breeds contempt. I don't want our, our listeners to get to know you too well. I want to stick to the script. And the script was you had a couple of demons that were following you around in early recovery, anger and pride. Tell us about uh, your experiences with that.
2: Well, as far as pride's concerned and ego, um, that definitely was a stumbling block for my recovery in the sense that every counselor every therapist that i encountered i would always size them up challenge them see how much they knew and and with my own measuring stick uh my own hubris of having a psych background i would in a very short period of time during a session an introduction would determine whether this person had anything to offer for my recovery or in general. And I think, in hindsight, looking back at it, that the devil um, uses pride, anger, those emotions, the seven deadlies, whatever you call them. To
1: filter the message. Yes. You had a message that was coming, but you couldn't hear it, could you, Paul? No, nope,
2: I was turned off.
1: And, and something, and so you opened yourself up and, and and something evil put a filter, so the good message you couldn't hear that, you heard a kind of a bad message. And you, did you accept or did you reject that
2: message? Well, I uh, I guess in I uh, rejected that message. Uh, it 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 took time to. Did you reject the messengers too? Absolutely. <laughs> yep. They they weren't qualified in my book. They and did didn't. you reject
1: the institution that housed the message and the messengers?
2: Absolutely. I was. Uh... <laughs> fighting constantly <laughs> so foolish but
1: but but you're angry of yeah. course man you you know uh, I get it and then the pride you know yeah. that's a tough one
2: I, I guess the way I reasoned it out like I'm fighting for my life I'm fighting for my future I'm trying to get back on track I'm trying to recover my life and you're not qualified to help me uh, which was Thank you. You thought that they couldn't empathize with you, right? Right.
1: You thought, listen, if you had gone through what I'd gone through, you'd be a drunk and a junkie too, but you hadn't. So you rejected the, the possibility that they could empathize with you.
2: I didn't give them a chance. There you go. Not that they had plenty to offer, but with closed ears, a closed mind, because of my own hubris, my own you know, pride, my own ego, whatever, go. I I I wasn't listening.
1: And and this rejection, Paul, it almost killed you, didn't it? It did. And you you had a seizure. Yep. Uh, you were you are unhappy. You know, I read in one of these recovery books. Uh, you know, we can stop drinking and drugging, but until we really calm our spirits down and get humble, okay, and get honest, uh, so our sobriety, if any, will elude us. A real happiness, we shall find none at all. Were you happy? In early recovery with nine or eight or nine months worth of sobriety?
2: No, I was miserable. There
3: you
1: go. Was was God making you miserable?
2: Nope. I was making myself miserable because I was listening to yeah. e- everything else but God.
1: And was there something amplifying your misery? Yes. And was it God or the antithesis of God? It was
2: the antithesis of God. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: ah, the master of the obvious. I love it. All right, take a deep breath. I'm Toby C., The Fourth Dimension. We talk about the antithesis of God, the evil that befalls so many of us in early recovery. We're mashing out some ghost stories. Of Paul, 8. stay tuned, sit tight, keep an open mind, and know that uh, there may be something else at play besides your own bad luck or bad timing. Might be the devil. The devil made me do it. be
3: right
1: back. Fall in with Dimension, Toby C.
0: a little uncomfortable then you're right where you belong in the fourth dimension with toby c Ah, are we
1: feeling a little uncomfortable then you're right where you're supposed to be toby c and folly on the fourth dimension talking about the antithesis of god why i'll tell you why Listen, the devil is not at the center of faith, but his figure, the figure of the devil is indispensable to understanding the mysteries of faith. So don't forget it. That's why we're talking about ghost stories. I'm waiting for this music bed to slow down so we can get into it with Paul Paul E. Hey, listen, if the figure of the devil is missing, then one also loses sight of the figure of God itself. It makes the concept of God very abstract, okay? Let's be real clear about this. In recovery, you're always gonna hear that God did for me what I could not do for myself, and and I experienced a God of my understanding through the group, and that's wonderful, okay? But there's a lot of things that happen in early recovery when we're vulnerable, when we've emptied our vessel, but we haven't really completely filled it with good things yet, you know? We don't really know how to properly protect our house. How's that sound, okay? When we clean house, I think the name of the game, Paul, if I'm not mistaken, is to clean and protect your clean house. It's called the maintenance of our spiritual condition, right? So there it is. All right, Paul. So let's talk about some of the... um, some of the demons that were chasing you around in early recovery. Um, first of all, you were real sad, right? Okay. True.
2: Yes, absolutely. You just, you, you had a, a
1: terrible traumatic event, um, that very few people experience. All right. Got it. And you were disappointed. And, uh, and disappointment um, migrates into anger. There it was. So you kind of came into, to, you, you hit your bottom with a bad attitude. How about that?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes.
1: And, 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 and the people who hit bottom with a bad attitude, uh, they don't stay on the bottom too long because the idea is to get off the bottom. But see, those of us who really have hit bottom Um, we experience something called a a God-conscious moment. And that eluded you, didn't it, at your bottom? You didn't have a God-conscious moment, did you?
2: No, nothing. There was a a lot of confusion,
1: a lot of anger. Did you ask yourself uh, over and over again, why? Why me? Uh,
2: y- yes, I, I felt very isolated. Um, I felt, um, I don't want to say uh, hopeless, but um, when I you hear all the stories uh, about people's recovery, it gets better, it gets better. But for me, I didn't see a clear path on how it was going to get better. I still hoped and clung on to the fact that I know if your spiritual spirituality is in line uh, with God's, you know, path for you, there'll be open and closed doors on which direction to go. But I, th- especially in early recovery, I was still leaning onto onto my own understanding. Um, I, I believe in the big, big book. There's lean not into their own understanding and all what in all ways acknowledge. Him and he'll direct your paths and I try to cling on to that but the hard part was it's in not my time it's in God's time and that was frustrating um, I struggled with that um, and it made me nervous uh, uh, as far as what direction I need to pick a direction I need to move forward I, that's going to be part of my recovery, part of my good experiences, part of you know uh, the whole positive effect but uh I just i I had a hard time being patient I had a hard time
1: practicing tolerance
2: yes so um that th- that was a big struggle for me in, in early recovery.
1: Let me ask you this: is it possible <sighs> That your spiral downward and, and your bottom <clears throat> was meant to teach you a lesson, was meant to humble you possibly, Paul. Is it
2: possible? All hardships, I believe, oh, yeah. are opportunities for learning yeah. and growing.
1: There you go. Somebody who knew what he was talking about said that pain is the touchstone of all <laughs> spiritual growth. How about that? And uh, and so but you didn't you didn't really consider that you had to go through this in order to spiritually grow, you were suffering. You were mi- you were mired in confusion and bewilderment, weren't you? I was. You felt stupid. A person who was really intellectually superior and well educated and came from the stock and the and the pedigree background from you, you were somehow, um, some some sadistic power in the universe was somehow trying to right size you, and and it was really an awful and humbling experience. And, um, and you didn't get humbled, did you, at the bottom? You got pissed off, didn't you? No,
2: yeah, not like I should, I didn't get humbled. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah. and, I struggled. And,
1: and by the way, when we're at the bottom and, and, and we're, we're, we're not quite ready to surrender, but we got all the fight l- knocked out of us, we slip into a place called ambivalence and apathy. Was that your deal?
2: I was stuck there for longer than I should have been. Just
1: didn't really give a damn, did you? No. There it is. Is the ambivalence and apathy in this attitude of not giving a damn, is is that a God of your understanding? No. no is that—is no. that something evil and something that wants to discourage you and keep you down?
2: Yeah, listening to the wrong voice, absolutely. Absolutely, it's a
1: bad yeah. message. Better believe it. And... Um, Oh, and uh, you're acting out with some risky behavior at the bottom in this this mired confusion like so many of us do. I mean, who's not acting out when we're confused, running in tif- 10 different directions at once trying to find the answer? But the answer was always there, wasn't it? It's just that, uh, I don't know, I, I, I read somewhere that... Uh, Deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God, but God may be obscured by calamity and by pomp and by worship of other things and other people. Let me ask you, let me ask you, Paul, is pomp and ego, is that God?
2: No, no, absolutely.
1: Is calamity and turmoil, is that God? No, no. Is, is the worship of other things or other people putting them up on a pedestal? Is that God? No. No, in fact, we're instructed not to do that. So it's the antithesis of God. And uh, and may you find him now, you know. And the best way to find him now is to be aware of the antithesis of God, and he was there, you know. But uh, and so is this, so is this evil, you know. And and how about your self-image? How about at the very bottom there, Paul, when you when you looked in the mirror, you know, and you really contemplated the futility and the fatality of, of life and, and your disease and your purpose, you know. How did it feel? Did you, did you feel the presence of God? No, no. Did you feel, did you feel the, the presence of just some empty, lonely, hopelessness? Yes. And what was that? If it wasn't God, what was it, Paul?
2: The antithesis of God. And uh, whatever you, know? you want to call it.
1: Whatever you want to call it, there it is. And and um you know, it's just I mean it's getting better. You know, the the hits keep coming, don't they, Paul?
2: It's a fight every day, but
1: it's a fight every day and um you're finally putting together some time. And uh, and you found companionship and you found love uh in recovery finally. I did. When you opened yourself up and you calmed down, did you find a sponsor in recovery?
2: I did, absolutely.
1: Did you did you did you do the steps and and uh, and and did you finally make a uh, an accurate self survey of yourself?
2: Yes. And uh, it's never and if, an easy thing to see yourself in that light. Sure. But it's still a lot of them. A lot of that is revelations about yourself and things. That you never saw from your own perspective, which is um, only adds to uh, a deeper self awareness to be able to change some of the things, negative things about yourself that have, you know, held you down or, you know, been a negative impact on your life. So that was very beneficial.
1: Just one day at a time. Mm -hmm. What we really have is a daily reprieve from, from fear, and from boredom, and from anger, and from pride, and from envy. You know, it's all right there. Those are just, heavy words, and 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 they're just sitting there like an ambush predator waiting to take us out, aren't they?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, you're your brother helped you in early recovery. He helped put you through the, uh, this, the sober living experience. And, uh, and that was quite an irony because that really, that really pushed the, uh, the, uh, the pride and the self esteem button hard. And of course, you know,
2: nobody wants to be a burden on anybody, especially your family. Yeah. But I, I needed that help and my brother was there for me and I was fortunate to have that support. However, what it did internally—not uh, just pride, but my self-worth—and it's
1: confusing, isn't it? It, is. it was really confusing again. That that here, you know, that the disease of alcoholism quite often emanates from the dysfunctional family system, and yet here was the solution and the assistance coming from the same entity that 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 the problem, the the core. Of the dysfunction uh, comes from it was confusing. That wasn't God, was it? No. It was it was confusing at best. I mean, you were glad to take the help for sure. You're at the bottom, but uh, but it didn't give you this this sense of of, of uh, ease and comfort.
2: No, it, it was it was conflictual. Uh, you were know. you
1: still irritable, restless, and discontent?
2: And discontent, correct. Yeah. Yep. And there you remained for for some time um had a hard time to come to terms with that but um i d- just eventually turned that around in my own thought process yeah. and my own feelings
1: yeah. Let me ask see this before we leave and, and 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 move into our final segment were you ever angry at the fact that other people could could drink um with relative impunity and and uh with with without the kind of consequences that you experienced. Yes.
2: Why couldn't that be me? There it is.
1: The evil three-letter word. Why? You went on that. I'm Toby C. Mashing out uh, one more segment on the fourth dimension with Toby C. And our guest today is Paul E. Talking about the ghost stories that we all experience in early recovery. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back.
0: Within and understanding the paranormal activity that is aroused when you begin to outgrow the manifestations of self-consciousness. This is the fourth dimension with Toby C you better believe it we're gonna find the alien within.
1: It should have been this show, but it says the fourth dimension. Hey, you know why it's called the fourth dimension? As we try to open our mind to a dimension outside the limitations of three-dimensional thinking. And there is something out there in this invisible ether of this dimension that we cannot see or experience or feel, but we can open up our minds to it. And it is the fourth dimension. And it's where mysterious things happen. Recovery, Paul. Many aspects of recovery and healing are a phenomena. You and I are our phenomena. You and I have healed for some miraculous reason, and there's no scientific uh, evidence or proof or diagnosis exactly what happened, except that perhaps that uh, we acquired a God consciousness, we, uh, maybe we experienced an entire psychic change. Um, Maybe we had a spiritual experience, right? Um, But in the process of acquiring that God consciousness and having that psychic change, something wanted to keep us down. And by the way, not to get philosophical, Paul, but we're not out of the woods yet, are we?
2: No, Uh, I mean recovery as far as I understand it is we're continuing to physically, mentally, and spiritually heal. And that's going to be an ongoing process. You know, the physical healing is a lot faster than the other two, mentally and spiritually. Uh, That's that's going to be the ongoing challenge in the day-by-day that needs to be overcome and growth needs to be continual.
1: Let me ask you, in your various earliest memories either in recovery before your seizure or after your seizure. Did they really, you know, dwell and, and, and bear down hard on, on the God's concept that, you know, that, that there is only one power and that one is God. And may you find him now. Did you really get that message?
2: No. All right. It was kind of glossed over, if you will.
1: It was glossed over. Interesting. Yeah. And, um, You know, if you had it to do all over again, Paul, you could have saved yourself an awful lot of suffering and misery. You could have had this psychic change, this spiritual experience sooner. And like we can get philosophical and say, yeah, but I was supposed to go through this and build character and all this, yeah, yeah. It almost killed you, dude, right? What do you think you could have done different? What message do you want to pass along to our listeners today based on what we've talked about with pride and anger and disappointment and and the trauma of losing a, a beloved child and, uh, and, and life just not turning out the way you wanted it to? What do you think you would have done different at the bottom if you had us do all over
2: again? Well, That's, that is pretty heavy, uh, in the sense that never should I have let my spirituality slip if during those troubling times, if I embraced and dug even deeper, uh, during that depressive state, during those, those bad decisions to, you know, self-medicate with alcohol, if. I replaced that or rather dug in deeper and got closer in my relationship with God. I would have never experienced and opened the door and let the antithesis of God in. And once the doors open, it's a familiar pathway, in my opinion, and it's a vulnerability which scares me. Because I know I've opened that door before to let the antithesis in, and these stumbling blocks have been put in my life due to actions of my own that could have been prevented by allowing God to control my life and steer and direct me to where he wanted me to go and what his will in my he wanted for in my life.
1: But you didn't have any God consciousness, did you, in the very beginning you are mired, as so many of us are, in self-consciousness. And you rejected the idea that your daughter's death was God's will. You rejected the idea that you had to hit bottom in order to realize that the world does not revolve around Paul, but that but, but there is one who has all power and that one is God. But you never got that memo. I kept Something kept distracting you from getting that message, that message of peace, that God loves you, Paul, that there was a reason why your daughter was taken, that there was a reason why you had to get humbled by, by your creator. But you never got that message, did you? You never got the memo. And, the, and the, the big why, the big evil three-letter why question is why, why didn't you get that message, Paul? And the question is, was there some evil interference happening that you were experiencing and you just weren't open to the idea that something evil was, was trying to keep you down.
2: It was clear and evident through hindsight that that's exactly what prevented me or what caused my downward spiral. My poor decisions, uh, led to my, you know, almost dying. And that were, was a conscious, decision or conscious decisions that i made and ended up where i ended up
1: you could have saved yourself a lot of agony and and a a near-death experience if uh if you perhaps could have been more aware of the realities of satan in order to better understand the mysteries of faith because, you know, recovery in life is one big mystery, is it not, Paul?
2: Absolutely, yes. And
1: uh, and why be confused? Confusion is fear, and, and faith is certainty. Does God want you to be
2: certain? Yes. He has all the answers. And
1: does the devil want you to be uncertain? Yes. Does the devil want you to be in fear?
2: Of course he does.
1: Does God want you to be in faith? Yes, he does. There it is. All right, gang, you've heard it. <laughs> from the horse's mouth, Polly and Toby Z on the Fourth Dimension. Talking about what really happens to so many of us in early recovery, man. The spotter best efforts. No, we're just vulnerable and we open ourselves up to evil resistance and early recovery. I want to thank Paul again for coming into the studios and mashing out a heartfelt uh, testimony and some good ghost stories. And I hope some of our listeners got something out of it. Come back soon, Paul. God bless. Thanks. And thank you all for joining us on the Fourth Dimension with Toby C. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. And keep an eye out for you-know-who. The Ambush Predator.